KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. And good morning, good Saturday. It's a nice day in the Midwest. A little bit of sunshine about uh, warming temperatures, rain on the forecast. Remember, we still have frozen soil. So if we have any kind of changing temperatures or rainstorms like tonight, that stuff turns immediately into runoff and surface water drainage. So just keep in mind that there's not really, during these temperatures, uh, still with the frozen soil, even with as warm as it is, uh, we will still have an inordinate amount of runoff. So whatever hits the ground tonight is going to turn into, you know, a little river or surface water because there's just nothing to soak into. It's basically a big block of ice from last week and the week before. Scott Mosby here, KMOX. This is the Helitech Home Improvement Show, and I will tie today's Helitech message into that as well because everything that hits the ground is going to wind up in those little cracks and the soil has not moved uh, to close those gaps. So it's going to be an issue. Uh, For those of you out today, and I imagine like myself, you're going to spend a little time outdoors just enjoying the time. Maybe do a little bit of yard work, pick up the leaves, those sorts of things. Pay attention to the roof. Uh, As cold as it got and with, uh, you know, some of the storms and wind and the snow weight, uh, you might have some sticks, twigs, branches on the roof of your house a little bit more than ordinary material in your gutters so make sure that your gutters are as clear as can be because really we're rounding the end of February into March and April and uh, you know snow is not over yet March and April at least March is a big snow month percentage wise so just keep in mind it doesn't stick around very long but it does come and it goes so keep in mind we do have precipitation in all forms coming over the next six weeks here in the Midwest St. Louis area. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, two hours today, 10 phone lines all for you. You, 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 just for you, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900, toll free, 800-925-1120, the call sign, call numbers of KMOX, 800-925-1120. Scott Mosby, uh, topics today are anything you need around your home probably some holdovers from frozen freezing pipes Uh, I urge you as well now even with the warm temperatures and uh, maybe the time now is to check for frozen pipes one of the ways and one of the weak points that you and I share is our hose bibs those faucets on the outside of our home those are prone you know they're right on the outdoor they're right on the wall so the outside of that faucet that metal knob on the outside with the knob the on off part that stuff gets just as cold as the temperature does outside and it is connected to the water supply system so whether you have frost free antifreeze faucets or you have little shutoffs and you drain it down with a normal uh, spigot or uh, you know on off faucet as you will just be aware Turn that faucet on, let the water run a little bit uh, today over this next week when it's above freezing. And ideally, when the sun is up, or going to stay up so it gets a chance to dry out and evaporate. 
That's important to do. If you're really bold, you can hook a hose up to it. Although this time of year, I'm I'm hesitant to put water in my hoses. I tend to drain the hoses in the fall unless I really, really need them. And and we've had good rainfall. There's not any big issue. I, I'd rather just water the plants that I want to see watered with buckets rather than hook up a hose and have to drain them again because it's still chilly out there and those hoses, rubber or otherwise, just don't like to straighten out much. A 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Undoubtedly, you have discovered weak points in your home. Uh, insulated exhaust fans, maybe vent fans and exhaust methods, uh, bath fan, dryer vent, even kitchen window vents, microwave vents, all those things that go through the wall with just a metal hole and a duct in it. Those things can frost up during the temperatures we experienced last week. A lot of things we talked about on KMOX uh, last Saturday. So those will be some of the things. Some of the holdovers now, you get a little bit of a respite, a little bit of a break. Uh, The time maybe for the heating and cooling companies to catch up on those service calls because when it's six degrees below zero, Man, there's just no margin for error in those units, those heating furnaces, whatever type you've got, electric, heat pump, ground source, heat pump, uh, you know, gas, forced air, uh, steam, whatever it is, they're taxed to the max. Uh, so uh, please, if you've got any issues at all, now's the time to get them taken care of. Check out your humidifier, you know, the part that's putting the water into the air. Those of you with working humidifiers will talk about some of the frost on the inside of your windows maybe this week. Uh, Not a big cause for concern because when it gets really, really, really cold like it's been for two weeks, that glass is just freezing temperature and not uncommon for a properly and well-humidified interior of the house to have frost on parts of your exterior windows. Yeah, that's okay. We can talk about that and more and some of the things here on what I call University of Camwex. Uh, my name is Scott Mosby. I've been in this industry virtually all of my life. My father founded a construction company in 1947. Uh, I have two older sisters and a younger brother. All of us grew up with tools in our hands. Uh, each of us knew to operate how to operate power saws by the time we were 9 or 10 years old. You know, Dad with supervision would work around the house and he'd show us how those things worked. So I've got some pretty doggone handy uh, sisters that have uh, really scared the bejeebas out of their husbands over the years. Uh, You know, one story I tell on my oldest sister, Judy, many of you know me and know my sister as well. Um, You know, we were sitting around the table at Thanksgiving one day or one year, uh, many years ago, my dad was still alive. She says, dad, is that a load bearing wall? He said, oh, no, no. That's not, that's just going down to your stairs that, you know, the load bearing wall is here and here. And, uh, you know, and she said, oh, good. I've, you know, I've wanted to open up that stairway. Well, the next day, um, you know, her husband came home from work. The wall was gone. The wires are hanging, duplex outlets hanging on the wires. And he, he said, what did you do? So, well, I removed the wall. Dad said I could. It's like, it's my house too. Anyway, but it was kind of funny because, you know, Judy just never, I I know how to do this stuff. I know what to do with the debris. I know, you know, on the electrical, I'm not going to mess with. Anyway, just funny things. So for those of you that are 
longtime homeowners. Uh, these are the things we exchange here on the family of KMOX. And for those of you new homeowners, if you know a new homeowner, this is the show for them. This is exactly where they can cut their teeth on, okay, what can I learn from this guy that made so many mistakes in his life? That's me. Uh, so think of me as your pre-disastered research and development team. I've made all the mistakes. I've learned from those mistakes. And now basically my career, my job, my life is teaching people to avoid those mistakes, whether here on Camwex or my day job at Mosby Building Arts. You know, what's the best way to solve that problem? So that's kind of the fun part. Uh, I, I really enjoy kind of being a uh, carpenter emeritus. Um, and likewise, the, so you as the do-it-yourselfers, I kind of fall into the do-it-yourself realm because my body doesn't do this all the time. I hide my hands, but I have this knowledge. I know how to do this stuff, but you know, my body's saying, you know, maybe there are other people that are, you know, like 20 times faster at this same thing. Even though you can, do you really want to spend six days doing that task when, you know, this carpenter guy will be done with it in four hours? Oh, so anyway, that, you know, my outlook is different. So whether you have the knowledge or not, and that really describes most of our clients, frankly, at Mosby Building Arts, they tend to be more uh, educated buyers, uh, very sharp consumers. They know what's important, and they like to see somebody take those steps to do the important things, and therefore they're willing to pay for the time to do you know, take all the, I call it touch all the bases on the baseball field is as opposed to running to first, third, and then home and skipping, you know, whatever that next step is that really makes for a long lasting uh, project. Uh, Scott Mosby, home improvement, phone lines 314-436-7900, toll free 800-925-1120, two full hours today. All is good. My name is Scott Mosby. This is KMOX and I'll be back for more after this. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, Scott Mosby, home improvement, two full hours today, talking about all things cold, now warm, then wet, then warm, then... But keep in mind, we still are in chilly times so uh you know don't put away that snow shovel just yet you know last week i promised spring was coming baseball cardinals just around the corner eh you know i i alluded to that last week so even at six degrees below zero baseball is a coming Anyway, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Got some great calls. Let's get to them right now. Bosco, my gerbil, cranking out 50,000 watts. Let's talk to my friend, Matt. Hey, Matt, good morning. Welcome to Cam Wax, my friend. How can I help? Hey, Scott. Uh, congrats on your second ace. Getting too good for me. Um, uh, I have two yeah, questions, and, and you, uh, you kind of lead it into it with your introduction. Yes, uh, last weekend I had to I noticed some moisture up in my ceiling in the uh, bathroom. I crawled up there, was happy to find out that it was the vent line that had been duct taped together when they built the house. The moisture was dribbling through there and made its way through. So when I took it out, it was, I was kind of surprised that it was more of a tin type of vent line that didn't seem to be the same type of material as the one I replaced, which truly said bathroom vent line. Last yeah. weekend, you talked about insulating those things up in the attic. 
and so uh, do I have to re- do I have to insulate over that proper line that I've rerun a single line so it doesn't drip? That's question yep. one. And then the second one was because I was up there, you know, uh, bouncing around in the in the attic with the insulation as I'm looking around. The house is probably 27, 28 years old. Does that insulation break down other than the fact that when people are up there moving it around, is it, do you have to put more in there at any time or is that just throwing money up in your attic? Uh, number one, um, the proper way to vent that, uh, if it's going straight up through the roof, then not only do you tape it, but you insulate it, uh, and then typically insulate it again, because once you're up there messing around with all this and it kind of gets to your second question of insulation, you know, go further than you think you have to. And then that way you don't have to come back. Um, you know, which I don't know how, whether, how much you like playing around the attic, but I, I, it's not my first game. Uh, so anyway, number one, you likely have an aluminum uh, elbow. Uh, if it's shiny um, and it doesn't really have modeling on it, like the ductwork in your basement, uh, that's galvanized steel. Uh, they sell at the big box stores, and oftentimes you can't find steel, galvanized steel, which is the only material that fits the fire code for uh, blowing air from inside your house to the outside. Because if there's a fire in the attic, it will burn through aluminum and right into your house. If there's a fire in your house and you have an aluminum duct, you now will blast furnace that right into your attic, spread throughout the house, and you know, you're off to the races. So the fire guy's like, you know what? If we're going to run duct work, just spend 10 cents more, get galvanized steel. It's not going to burn out of there for, you know, as quickly. So all the fire code is set up to do is give the fire guys enough time to respond before the house is totally ablaze so they get a swinging chance at putting out the fire with minimal damage. So that's what all this fire code is about, is slowing the spread, con- containing that flame, if you will. So galvanized steel, um, if you can, Matt, and you're going to a horizontal soffit duct, the better way to do this, or best way in my world, is elbow up, because you still have velocity coming out of that vent fan, to about 12 inches up, and if you can, a plumbing slope down to the soffit with rigid galvanized steel uh, uh, screwed, and then uh, hopefully aluminum duct taped around those joints. So basically, if you get any condensation, for example, maybe it's 12 feet to the soffit from your bathroom fan, by the time, even if you insulate that, that duct by the time it gets 10 feet away it may turn it may cool off just enough to go from vapor into water form and then you wind up with this leak thing which you know with as cold as it was last week it that leak could happen right at the joint of the fan to the drywall or plaster so I, i feel your pain on that one um, galvanized steel number one insulated the best thing I like to do with this is just uh, flex duct uh, available at the big box stores uh, typically if we run a four inch uh, flex duct or, or rigid steel we'll buy a five inch flex duct sock pull the plastic you know squirrely a whirly thing out and slide it over that duct after we tape those joints and then if we feel you know really worried about it or don't want to go back up we buy a six inch run run that over the five so basically we've double insulated this thing generally that water is going to stay in vapor form before it gets out of your house goes far enough away so number and then back to the attic insulation if you don't um 
really um, mess with your insulation ever, you really don't have to do anything unless you want to upgrade. Insulation settles a little bit, you know, so you lose some of it, but the real insulative value comes from the air trapped in between those fibers of fiberglass or, um, you know, even, uh, you know, the cellulose material. It's the trapped dead air that does it so get up there cover over refill whatever you have to you can throw bat over the top of it if you need to but unless you really want to go and and the biggest issue matt is that your your r30 or r35 from 25 years ago that'll settle down to about an r24 and then you know and the insulation values or you know then it depends how long you want to own this house you know it may behoove you that if you've been up in the attic enough then you get the attic insulators to come up and add another x number of inches um but you have to stay with the same kind of material so if you have fiberglass up there you put fiberglass on top of it cellulose is a better insulation insulator because it's more of a solid blanket but if you put it over fiberglass it's so heavy it just crushes all the air out of the fiberglass and you lose all your value from your fiberglass so to speak so uh, stay with the like kind how that for a long answer that's that's perfect i appreciate the input and um i think i'll leave my attic woes as is and uh move <laughs> on from there now nah, you know what you're doing good to hear from you matt all right buddy take care all right bye now home bye. improvement scott mosby kmox uh next up let's see what we've got here let's go to uh how about karen hey karen good morning welcome to kmox how may i help you yes i had a basement windows that had storm windows on it. The home is 58 years old. Mm -hmm. And um, during that cold spell, it reminded you of the old chest freezer when you would defrost it. (laughs) It had big chunks of white ice all around it. And the funny part was, this is in the finished area of the basement. The two windows that are in the unfinished, I have no problems with whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And of those three windows in the finished part, one of them is on the same side of the wall, outside wall, as the two that are in the unfinished part. But, mm-hmm. I mean, big chunks of ice, like I said, like you would defrost years ago, a chest freezer. And it was sure. all around it. Well, <laughs> I can explain that to I you. I can do to prevent this? Yeah, you have a humidifier. Here's the here's the good news and the bad news. Frankly, they're the same. The frost on the windows indicates that you have enough humidity in your house. So you have, from this question, you have enough humidity from bathing, showering, cooking, and a humidifier that you have a nice, uh, your sinuses are fine, everything's healthy, the wood's happy, drywall, plaster, all of that. The reason your finished space has ice is because it's humidified. The semi-conditioned, unfinished basement doesn't have air it doesn't have ductwork and it doesn't have return air so it's not served the way your finished basement is so it stays colder so it's cold on one side of the glass and it's cold and dry on the other side of the glass you know a relative thing well when you're on the other side when you're pumping moisture into the air with a humidifier congratulations by the way and you have you know low insulated glass or really cold temperatures uh that's just what's going to happen so it's just kind of a consequence of your windows not being insulated uh even though you have storm windows on they're pretty good um but again it just gets to a consumer 
consumer judgment of, you know, is this worth four or $500 per window to not have frost on it? You know, the one out of three years we have zero, negative fall, six temps. I had placed window glazing around those windows because prior to that I had noticed dampness in the window in the wintertime. Mm. But yeah. I don't think that that helped at all at all. Well, if you put a cover on the inside, like blinds or shades or anything like that, you're going to drop the temperature next to that glass and make the frost worse. So when we design a heating and cooling system, we design, and that's why all the supply vents are right next to the windows. We consciously bathe or wash the inside of those windows with warm air, trying to prevent the frost accumulation. And we're putting the heat where the heat loss is too. So if you're putting window covers or insulated blinds on it, I guarantee you will successfully always have frost in that glass. Okay. Thank you very much. Good question, Karen. Thanks for getting us going. All right. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Uh, I think we have Brian Adcock here from Helitech. He'll be on here in the next break, so stay tuned. Uh, you know, we, it, we got all this frozen temperature, you know, the freezing soil and the water coming next week. You know, we put a call into our friends at Helitech, and I think we've got Brian in the wings. So stand by, Brian. We've, uh, we're warming up for you, brother, right here on University of KMOX. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. We're going to take a break and come back with more. Brian Adcock on Helitech here on KMOX. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, back together, home improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. It is Saturday, two full hours, home improvement, frozen soil, rain upon us soon, uh, guest in studio or uh, virtually in studio. Uh, Brian is with us from Helitech. Brian, good morning, my friend. Good morning. Hey, thanks for calling in and uh, giving us a hand. I appreciate the little help. I think we're going to have some, uh, we're going to have some rain coming here soon. I, I think so. You're right. Uh, the weather did sure switch on a dime, and that ground is thawing out in a hurry. Well, hey, listen, what's cooking in Helitechville? I appreciate your calling in, and, um, you know, I, we kind of pulled you into service here on KMOX, so thanks for the call. Uh, what's cooking in your world? How do you see with this frozen soil and then the thawing and the rain? How's this all going to touch foundations? You know, it's interesting because a lot, a lot of times, you know, get false uh, results uh, on, on a rain event. You know, it can rain a lot, uh, but it's not always the amount of rain that we get. It's how much is it already rained and over the last, you know, um, several weeks and how saturated is the subsurface. Mm-hmm. You know, and that add, that ties into to spring in a couple of ways because there is more rain, as we know, as you discussed, and the ground also starts to thaw out. Uh, and so as that ground starts to thaw out, it adds saturation. Mm. Then when we start to get those heavy rains, you know, that water doesn't have any place to go. And that's a lot of times when people start to have issues in the basement. Well, with this freezing soil, I imagine there's a lot of lateral push on these foundations. So foundations that didn't leak, you know, two months ago, three, four months ago, you know, when this uh, temperature rises, comes back, you know, do, do you anticipate any more Boeing uh, foundation issues? Uh, we do. Uh, certainly uh, the expansive soil, clay soils uh, could be an issue. And, uh, 
you know, all the time we see uh, when it comes to foundations uh, leaking or uh, being compromised, uh, it's it's not uncommon that they'll arise. Um, yeah, yeah. People, you know, all the time will say, hey, you know, I've lived here for 20 years and it's never leaked. Uh, and we are getting, you know, we can have some rainier seasons, but time, time and water do take their toll. Yeah. Amen to that. Amen. Well, it's a decent weather and, uh, you know, day today. What can homeowners around the house do, uh, you know, just uh, prevent the whatever they can on their level, you know, before calling somebody like Helitech to come in and 800-246-9721, you know, bail me out of the deep water. What can you be know, done on the outdoors? You know, one of the the biggest things that I see all of the time that can that can have uh, uh, the best effect to mitigate water around your foundation and coming in is to make sure the roof load, meaning your gutters, your downspouts, are all working properly. Uh, uh. So many times, you know, trees get bigger and bigger. Uh, they dump more debris. And when your gutters get clogged up and they just, that water doesn't have anywhere to go, but just roll over right over the top, I see that being an issue quite a bit. And you always want to make sure that your downspouts are at least 10 to 15 feet, uh, you know, discharging 10 to 15 feet away from your foundation. We can't, Scott, we can't control what falls out of the sky and hits the ground, but we can't control what's, what's coming down off of the roof. And that, that can really make a large impact. Okay. Hey, Brian, will you stand by for a bit? We've got uh, uh, Brian Kelly with the newsroom here in KMOX. Brian Kelly, KMOX Newsroom, uh, what's cooking, brother? Well, we can't control the traffic either. Northbound 170, the inner belt north, or just about its scutter, it's closed right now because of an accident. So that's causing a pretty good backup. You probably have to jump off, use Hanley to get by there northbound, or if you can avoid that completely, maybe head out to 270, whatever. But uh, Lindbergh is another good option. But northbound Interbelt 170 is closed. Approaching Scudder. We'll let you know as soon as it reopens, Scott. All right. Brian Kelly, KMOX Newsroom. By the way, we have an online newsroom. This is real live. And, you know, there just aren't too many uh, radio stations out there that do what we do. Brian Adcock from Helitech is still on the line with us. Uh, hey, Brian, thanks again, brother, for uh, standing by as we uh, update our listeners. Uh, also, um, how about cracks around the foundation, Brian? Uh, what what can a homeowner uh, inspect uh, as well as keeping the downspouts 10, 15 feet away on the outside? You know, with the, with the cracks, uh, you know, they should always be monitored. Uh, and again, this, this does tie in, your question does tie in uh, to, you know, water intrusion and uh, foundation uh, problems. Mm-hmm. You know, if you see cracks become larger or then start to leak, uh, you know, over time where they didn't before, that could be a sign of a more serious issue, uh, which we'd be happy to come and verify and give you the peace of mind that hopefully there's not. But we see with the cracks a lot of times is people will try to just put a patch over the top, and that's, that's, that's not going to do the job. And that actually makes, us, makes it harder for us to do the repair correctly where we have to scarify that area away. Really, what needs to be done, you can't just patch the surface and have that water keep hitting that. You, you need to inject the inside, the crack from the inside out to properly uh, seal that crack. And the home inspectors and the real estate agents know that any, you know, 
uh, a do-it-yourself patch to a foundation isn't going to work. So, you know, don't bother, frankly. First off, if the water is going to leak anyway. Number two, when you go yep. to sell the house, it's, you know, not going to transfer. They're going to wind up calling Helitech anyway. So might as well get her done. I see that on a weekly basis, that do exact really? scenario. Wow. I do all the time. Yep. Wow. Well, tell me a, a little bit uh, about the array of services Helitech has here, Brian. Yeah, so we're the largest foundation repair waterproofing company in the Midwest. Uh, we are residentially in five states now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do waterproofing. We use uh, a fantastic product called Hydroway. Uh, we haven't seen reason to change from that. We've done over 110,000 homes, and we've had lots of success with that product. We also do the crack repairs we touched on and foundation repairs we touched on, whether that's settling of a foundation. Uh, sometimes, as you also referred to, a wall can be bowing in, lateral movement of a wall. Uh, we have technologies such as helical wall anchors to actually straighten those walls in some cases, but certainly to be stabilized. Uh, you know, and that stuff, when it comes to most of our here, you know, underpinning for vertical settlement, bowing wall repair, uh, and crack injection even, and certainly the waterproofing all come with a life of the structure warranty, which is fully, fully transferable uh, to a new owner. Uh, and we also do uh, a process called polyjacking for concrete leveling, because concrete slabs are constantly sinking, voids get created, animals get into the, under the porch, and even for a void fill only, even if you haven't sunk down or you're seeing just a little bit of a void, uh, having us come out and, and get some of that material in, in there can really make a big difference moving forward. Yeah, it keeps the water from doing further damage before you get a chance to, you know, yeah, preventive maintenance, you know, just is what it is. Goes a long way, Scott. Hey, Brian Adcock, you know. Helitech, thanks for the call in, brother. How do we uh, contact Helitech? Uh, we're available anytime at. Uh, HelitechOnline.com, and also the phone number is, give me one second here, Scott. Oh, I've got that ready and going. 800-246-9721. Call in, uh, the, the, uh, the office, 6-1-8-2-3-5-5-5-9-5. All right. Hey, listen, Brian, thanks for the call, and uh, appreciate your taking time away from the family and a uh, busy week. You're welcome. Thank you very much, Scott. Have a great day. You too. Brian Adcock, Helitech, uh, 800-246-9721 from anywhere on the globe. Uh, let's uh, get into one more. Let's talk to Joe this morning. Joe, good morning. Welcome to Cam Wex. How can I help you this fine morning? Good morning, Scott. Well, I'm glad I made it just in time. I got <laughs> checked out last week. Sorry, But man. anyway, um, my question has to do with the uh, humidifier. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went ahead and adjusted my humistat according to the label instructions, you know, based on the outside temperature. And the uh, the water was certainly, you know, pumping into the system. But then when the furnace cut off, the water continued to run. Now, I need to preface this with the fact that I was told at one point at some time that I want to keep my fan running continually for the furnace. But I found that if I switched it over to auto, then the humidifier water humostat sensor would cut the water off. So is that a proper operation? 
Uh, yeah, I like the blower motor running all the time. Your humidist- humidifier is uh, wired through uh, to get power when the blower motor is on, which is the correct way to do it. Uh, the issue is the humidistat. Uh, turn it back down, Joe, to where uh, because it, it doesn't really have uh, on on humidistat unless you have a sensor somewhere in the house for what the real humidity is. In fact, you know you're getting clean data to it. All it is is an on-off switch that's works relatively more. Or relatively less so instead of the temperature range think of it as I want this humidifier on more of the time to the right or less of the time to the left so they try and put numbers on for temperatures and it just means you're you know basically overly trying to humidify so just think of it as a more or less switch but not necessarily a temperature number I got it okay the other question has to do with a uh, dehumidifier now. I keep a dehumidifier on the lower level, the unfinished portion of the basement. And does it conflict with running it continually, even though I've got the furnace humidistat set for moisture upstairs? Well, does your dehumidifier come on when you have it set to a relative? Uh, well, I it's a portable I have exact- unit, so it's separate from the, you know, yeah. the uh, HVAC system. Yeah, I have but the same I've thing. I've got Joe. it set so that it will run continually. No, nope. Uh, set that right in the middle in the winter because you can have more humidity in the basement than you have in the rest of the house because it's relatively un- or less conditioned. It's a semi-conditioned area. So I have exactly the same thing, portable dehumidifier, basically for the summers. But in the wintertime, instead of turning it off, I just put it in the middle and it'll come on if it gets really wet with some and this coming week you know you it might wind up with higher humidity in the basement of the house so but do uh-huh. not run it continuously unless you're doing that in the, in a really wet hot hot summer okay my lower level of the basement i've got a thermostat with a humid with a humidity reader on it okay. and it's registering uh 40% right now here in the lower level at uh it looks like about I guess about 68 degrees, mm-hmm. and the upstairs I'm registering 45% humidity with about 72 degrees Fahrenheit. 45 really high, really high. You're, you're, running too, you're running your humidifier too much for this temperature. So I need to bring it down. Yeah, about 30 to 35% is my advice for the best range of humidity in a house. When you get above 50%, you're making bugs and all kinds of mold and mildew happy. So, uh, you know, 45%, you're darn near creating a terrarium rainstorm situation, you know? Mm. So, yeah. And for respiratory illnesses, if you have any, you know, lung problems, you're getting in, you know, doctors are starting to shrug like, ooh, that's pretty high. You can grow some things in your lungs with that kind of humidity. So. Mm. Yeah, 30 to 35%, Joe. At 40% in the basement is fine, but, uh, the, and, you know, maybe you do need to run your dehumidifier continuously, but I doubt it. You know, in the wintertime, it's still, uh, yeah. you know. But, you're, but this you're, is the upstairs level that we're reading a higher humidity yeah. level. Well, 40% in the basement's okay, 45% up in the conditioned area is too high. I'm, I'm going to have to go now, Joe. I'm running out of time here. Okay, Scott. Thank you very much. Good calls. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Thanks to Brian Adcock of Helitech. We're going to take a pause now and come back for more after this. 
Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, home improvement. Thanks to Brian Adcock of Helitech for coming in or actually phoning in to help us out and explain kind of how to handle this uh, freeze, rain, spring that's ahead of us here. We'll have more of that coming up on later shows here. Let's go to the phone lines and let's talk to my friend John. Hey, John, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help you, my friend? Hi, Scott. Uh, I've got a very old house uh, in University City, 86 years old, and I'm getting some fiber optics put into my house finally today so i can stream oh cool yeah uh in that process i the only place i could put the wire and have it all aesthetically look nice is through a piece of molding so on the floor mm-hmm. and what i did there before that is i took off my cold air return uh cover which is about two and a half three feet wide i couldn't believe it but i don't think the thing's been off in 86 years plus there was a piece of, I thought it was dust, right on the opposite side of that cold air return that went up the full length of the cold air return vent cover, about mm-hmm. half inch wide. And I went into Overland Hardware yesterday, and they said, oh, yeah, they used to put those on in the old days to keep uh, the dust out of your furnace. And I'm thinking, well, why doesn't the furnace culture do that? And he said, well, it does now. And I wanted to know if you've ever seen anything like that where they put a little pad behind a cold air return back in the 30s. Oh, oh yeah. Well, frankly, honestly, uh, the answer is yes. I've seen most everything. And I will tell you, for example, um, in remodeling, we will do a similar thing like that when we remodel a house. So rather than have the dust go into the ductwork, if we're doing heavy dust demo, we'll buy return air filters and we'll actually tape them over the return ducts, uh, you know, trying to keep the dust out of the ductwork during the heavy, dirty part of the project once you get finished with the remote you know the demolition you can pretty much go but this is a 85 year old version of putting some of that in there of catching the dust um without having it ugly on the surface face of that uh register so yeah but it it worked um you know the issue it hasn't been changed in 86 years so probably it's dumping dust in there but if you regularly change your furnace filter on normal residential situations it's fine but yeah it's actually an extra step that some of the good old boys would do understanding how the system would work the problem is you have to take the register cover off change that thing out a little bit so you know that's the issue there uh john well, was that supposed to be a permanent thing where they were going to leave that always? Or did maybe uh, the, the floor company do that when I first moved in here 27 years ago? They redid all my hardwood floors. Could they have taken that thing off and put that little pad behind there? Yeah, I'm going to have to go in 10 seconds. So uh, the answer is it was intended to be temporary. It just never got changed out. So pull it out. You don't need it anymore. Throw it away and change your furnace filters regularly. Real quick, or shall I check all the other I gotta go, well John, I've got to go. I'll put, you, put them on hold here, and we'll uh, see if we can get to you next hour. All right, Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, Hour 2. We are live and lively, as Mike Miller likes to say, on the KMOX Garden Hotline, Saturday mornings every week here. Stay tuned. Uh, I think, uh, <laughs> excuse me, coming up at 1 o'clock after this show is retire, excuse me here, is retire ready. So we've got a good uh, array of afternoon uh, things coming up. Stay tuned. Uh, also, Cardinal Baseball is just around the corner. Don't go very far. 
it's always not far on KMOX. Uh, my apologies to John. Uh, end of last hour, just running out of time. Had to keep the uh, lights burning here at University of KMOX so I can keep answering these questions and continue the show. Thanks to Helitech and the sponsor and there, Brian Adcock, for calling in uh, this morning during hour one. And we are really going at it. Um, my name is Scott Mosby. This is the Helitech Home Improvement Show. Anything related to your home, uh, whether you're a longtime homeowner and especially for the new homeowners, and there are a lot of you out there with this whole pandemic issue, we're uh, shifting around, changing our housing locations, needs, desires, uh, finish requirements, uh, homeschooling, home office. Uh, the world is shifting underneath us right now, and with that, uh, this show specifically and the uh, self-help uh, uh, shows, as we call it, or the weekend at-your-service home shows here on KMOX, uh, we're here trying to help you through all that. That's what it's all about. Uh, so if you have any questions, it's uh, 314-436-7900, toll-free 800-925-1120. That's 314-436-7900, and toll-free 800-925-1120. Uh, put the word out for those new homeowners and I have been a new homeowner. Uh, it's hard to know, and sometimes they're, um, they just don't want to appear stupid, so they don't ask uh, parents, grandparents. Uh, they'll ask their friends. So this is a place where they can really share that, uh, you know, semi-anonymously. Most of us understand and recognize voices, but, uh, you know, really tell them how to get to uh, KMOX 1120 AM. They can listen or podcast as well if they want to go to university. University of Camwex on their own time, anytime, 24-7. It's on radio.com and camwex.com, and it's intended that way so that we can touch people on their schedule wherever they want. Or if you're in the hardware store and you want to hear and, and tune in, and maybe it's on Sunday or Monday later when the show is not a live broadcast radio.com and always the podcasts on camox.com you can sign up to get these regular podcasts on kmox.com uh, phone lines 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 uh, let's go back to a very patient uh, caller from hour one barbara barbara are you standing by there uh, good afternoon welcome to lunch on camox how can i help uh, Hello, i have a question about my garage door opener yeah I recently had new light bulbs installed in my landscape lighting. Um, there was a, a a light above the garage that shines up onto, you know, the second story. And it was going out every once in a while. They came out. They put um, um, light bulbs that are supposed to be longer in life, uh, you know, in. LED, LEDs, well, yes. Okay, LED. And since these light bulbs have been put in, once the landscape lighting comes on at, you know, late evening, early in the night, I cannot open my garage door from my car. Ouch. Uh, how old is your garage door opener? The garage door, it is not the battery. Right. Uh, I checked that. But I mean, how it old is, is it? 20 years old or 10 years old or such? The garage doors, probably about 12, hmm. 12 to 14 years. We installed them shortly after we moved into our home. Okay. 
Well, about 12 years ago, I mean, it should have, what you're experiencing is a frequency conflict, something about those LEDs, and those are little computer chips. So a light-emitting diode is literally a glowing part of a transistor radio, kind of. So it just puts off light, but it creates that efficient, low electricity usage by um, electronic methods. So those types and that frequency of those specific bulbs are really jamming the radio frequency of your sender. So I I would assume that when you press the button inside your garage, you know, on a hardwire situation, it goes up and down. Is that correct? Yes. There's no problem with the wired mechanism. Yeah, we used to have this, um, you know, as consumers back when the cordless telephones came on and then we had Wi-Fi and the government, U.S., the federals haven't re- hadn't really opened up enough frequency width to allow the phone to be on one, you know, frequency and the uh, Wi-Fi to be on it. So anyway, so uh, you have LED light bulbs that are statically jamming the same frequency as your garage door opener. I would suggest a look in your owner's manual, 12 years. You may be able to change that frequency or get on the uh, website, the Frequent Questions, FAQ, Frequently Asked Questions, for that brand of of uh, operator. There will be a user forum for this. I promise you, you are not alone. This is a common problem. And, and most of the LED lights are made over in China, and they're made on whatever frequency they pretty much want to make a, a light bulb. So that you're just kind of in a conflict where, frankly, it's putting out, and we used to have this with fluorescent light bulbs. They'd put out the wrong frequency and jam a lot of, you know, wireless things. But you just have, if if you change, and you may be able to change those light bulbs to different brand, um, and uh, but it, it's it's a conflict of that frequency. That's what's happening. I'm not quite sure how to change it, but I'll bet the FAQ. Okay. If I had two hours on the on the internet, I could figure it out. Oh, okay. If I just change the light bulbs around the garage door, would that you know could that possibly be a solution? It might. It might. The problem is when you buy a new LED bulb to put in this other one um uh you may need to go to a lighting supply store uh that can tell you more about the frequency or people at least know how to find out what the frequency of those bulbs but uh, for your brand and your model of garage door opener there will be a frequency uh for that or i'll tell you what uh, you might call one of the overhead door companies here in town and ask them that question i am sure they have dealt with it before um yeah you know and because, um, they come out and service my doors once a year. So, okay. Um, okay. That's perfect. Those, yeah, those guys know their game. And, uh, you know, and they, I guarantee you, this is not their first problem with this either. They might even know which bulbs brands go along well or they might be able on a 12 year old opener you know there were some you know you can you can change the frequencies on those to where they may be able to just come out and say all right it's not on 800 now it's going to go on 1200 i think you're okay let's test it so yeah there's a you're not you're not the first one to this dance okay (laughs) i will give them a call and see if i can come up well i'll look on the internet first and uh, see if there's something yeah, give them a call. They have people that are in the office there set up just to answer these questions. So they're there. It's a okay. good. Uh, it's good company. Okay. Thank you. All right, Barbara. Take care. Bye bye. 
And, and that's a that's a great example when I say choose your company that you want to be in business with. Uh, carefully, and that's a good example. Um, you know, overhead door company. They have people that know this stuff. They're available on the phone to answer those questions. Uh, they'll help you work through. Anyway, it sounds like an ad for overhead door company, but it's just my experience as a consumer as well. You know, most of the time, you know, I'm a radio guy. They don't know who I am. I walk in and I say, my garage door, you know, sender doesn't work. What do I do with this? And anyway, so uh, it's just a. Uh, uh, some companies are staffed, equipped, and priced to deliver these services and some are not. So just uh, be aware. Uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. It's kind of like KMOX. We are staffed and equipped to deliver newsroom and cutting edge things. Brian Kelly comes in here, taps me on the shoulder. Hey, move over. I need to tell him about this thing going on in the uh, street or, you know, a safety issue we have on the highways. So, you know, that's just part of being part of the KMOX family right here. Scott Mosby, part of the St. Louis KMOX family as well and you. I'll be right back. All right, welcome back here. We're going to come to Gail next here. So, Gail, wake up here. Scott Mosby, we're going to come onto your phone line here in just a minute. Uh, so let's go right to the phone lines and see what's cooking with my friend Gail. Hey, Gail, good afternoon. Lunch on Camwex. How can I help? Hello. Um, I have a red concrete outdoor bench, and uh-huh. it gets this, like, white film or coating that just kind of seems to seep up in different areas, and it mm-hmm. doesn't wash off. So I have to paint it every year. Is there any way to avoid that? Yeah, that's really, um, uh, it's leaching. It is the lime from that precast concrete coming from the inside of the stone to the outside. Uh, So you could actually wash that off with uh, vinegar, uh, vinegar and water the next time. And, And frankly, that once it keeps coming out, if you're painting the water is still getting through your paint into that concrete, and that's what it is. Then when the temperature rises or the sun comes up, then the evaporation or the moisture leaves that bench, and when it leaves the bench, it brings those salts and lime uh, deposits um, with it, and that's where the residue is coming from. It's no different than a, you know, an unsealed basement floor that just keeps dusting and dusting. And you know, I mean, it just is what it is. Um, but in in painting it, you're uh, probably are you painting it with a latex paint, a water based paint. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, latex paint is designed to breathe, so it will let the water out, but it'll also let the water in. So you really haven't really sealed the concrete bench. You're slowing down the exchange into the water and out of the water. Uh, but anyway, you can get that um, uh, lime deposit or salt deposit off with a a, a bath with uh, just normal household vinegar, and you know, I'd ma- I'd dilute it, you know, maybe one to one or one to three, you know, one vinegar vinegar to three water, one vinegar to two water, and how, depending on how fast you want it to work. Then rinse it off. Okay. Then let it dry and then paint it again. But uh, frankly, if you're, if you're not removing that residue before you're painting, you're basically painting dust. So clean that and prep that surface next time with your vinegar, rinse it, and, and wait for it, the temperature to, and the sun to be above freezing warm and, and let it dry a lot because if you paint it 
and it's still wet inside then before the paint even gets to cure with uh, whether it's water-based or, or solvent-based you know that inside moisture it's kind of the same as with treated lumber it's hard to paint treated lumber because the stuff comes out and when the moisture comes out of the wood it brings with it the leachate of that uh, treated material same here with the concrete bench it's bringing with it the lime and minerals that are inside okay yeah i see okay i didn't try vinegar i just tried wiping it off with water and it didn't come off yeah no so it's it's kind of like a think of it as a hard water um a deposit on the inside of your toilet and okay what do i do with that you know, so lime away, CLR, vinegar, those sorts of things that will attack the lime in it actually will remove that dust. And it really doesn't affect the, the latex paint at all. The latex paint doesn't care about vinegar. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. All right. Thank yeah. you. All right. Thanks for your patience, Gail. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement Camo X. Let's next go to my patient friend, Ron, and see what's cooking. Hey, Ron, wake up, brother. I'm here now. How can I help you in this second hour of the really University of Camo yeah, how you doing? Hey, Ron, you're on, brother. Scott hey, Mosby here. Can you hear me? Yes, sir, you're on. All right, great. Uh, let me go inside the house, and that way I can describe what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, I'm just right outside. No worries. Thanks for your patience, by the way. I appreciate it. Uh, absolutely. Uh, what we got is a crawl space that's built up right up to a solid floor, a concrete floor. Okay. And the crawl space is not big enough for a man to get under. Yeah. So uh, their floor was dropping. I told them we're going to have to cut the floor open to see what's going on. Yeah. And so when I did that, there was four inches of water. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. I said, this is a problem. And it was not only four inches of water. The floor joists were rotted. Oh, boy. They had openings that were open continuously, but they had one side, they had patio blocks uh, right up to the opening. On the other side, they had dirt right up to the opening, so it allowed water to come in there. But on further review, after we tore the floor out, they got water all the way around the foundation coming in. Yeah. So, so I told him we gotta we're gonna have to put drain tile inside, put a sump pump in, yep, um, to get the water out of here before we can put the floor back in. I, well, and so I, I, there, there's more to this as well. The, basically, you're supposed to have an 18 inch clearance between the soil and the bottom of the floor joists for just this kind of a situation. Well, well the floor joists were sitting on a concrete pillar, uh, or actually they're, they go the whole length of the room, yeah. uh, all the way around. The perimeter's got a, a, a footing that it sits on, mm-hmm. but it's not 18 inches. Uh, it's probably more like uh, maybe 8 inches from the yeah. ground, to the bottom of the floor joists. Yes, yes. And the problem is that keeps the bottom of that wood wet all the time, so it never dries out. It just stays moist. Even if without standing water, this will rot out those floor joists. So even if right. you 
drain tile and drain all this, you still need to be. And the idea is that that ventilation with that 18 inches, it can flow through and take with it that extra humidity. So that's why the 18 inches is important. So you can change the air and get rid of the super, you know, humid air. Got it. Got it. Um, 18 inches from the bottom of the floor joist or 18 inches from the bottom of the floor? Bottom of the floor joist, 18 inches right. from okay. the lowest point of that floor joist system. It won't, the concrete isn't in, in fine, you know, don't worry about that. Concrete doesn't care, but the floor joists do. Uh, if you do have a choice, if you're going back in there, you might be able to use treated floor joists because they're more resistant to that. Um, because as you dig down 18 inches, you may discover you're digging down below the footings or close to the footings. Oh, we will be. We will be because this was a... Yeah. This was a do-it-yourselfer that did this years ago. No, oh, nobody checked him, yeah. and he put the floor joists in the concrete. They, he formed it up and then poured the concrete around the floor joists. They rotted out years ago, I could tell that. But then yeah. uh, the, all the floor joists, I just reached under there and grabbed the floor joists and ripped it off with my wow. bare hand. Mm. So I knew that was a major problem. Yeah, right. It is. So... Um, if we can't get it down 18 inches, uh, I know that we could put plastic down. Is that a good thing on the Won't floor? Matter. Won't matter. Yes, I would put pl- I'd put plastic down, you know, anyway, just because it improves something. But if you don't have enough clearance, you know, dig it down as far as you can. The issue is... Um, the, the, it's, it's, it's like the planetarium in St. Louis. It's a trapped, highly humidified air, and, you know, it doesn't ventilate so if you don't change that air and you can't move it through there you have to do the best you can so i would put those floor joists or sister the old ones if there's anything decent left uh i'd build that out of a treated floor system and the appropriate fasteners you know be careful what your floor uh subfloor is attached to because you need the right fasteners just to nail down the plywood or the osb to that as well you following my uh direction here on the treated absolutely Good, good. They do have vents on either side of the wall. Uh-huh. Uh, it's just that they piled the dirt up right up to it so that when it rains, the water comes through the vent holes. Oh, wow. um, and, yeah. and I've already instructed them. They got, we're going to have to get the dirt down below. Uh, they got the dirt all the way around the house up on the siding. I said, that can't. That, that won't yeah. work. Your oh, floor, yeah, that... the floor, The wall plates are rotted. Yeah, oh, <laughs> it's a major job. I thought it was going to be a quick, easy, and then until I opened it up. Uh, oh boy, yeah, yeah, it's big a leads. mess. Oh, but boy. we'll we'll fix it right. That's why I was calling you just to make sure that we got the right plan working. Yeah. And uh, so, if we can't get it below the the footing, which I I don't think we can because uh, I see dirt. We've already dug out trenching for the drain tile. And I can see where the concrete ends and then where the dirt begins. Another problem is there's this floor is clay, and so it's going to hold the moisture longer. Amen. And I I told him I don't know why they use clay for the fill. It's terrible. Anyway, that's a problem out here in the St. Louis area. (laughs) And uh, the problem with do-it-yourselfers, you got to make sure we know what we're doing. Yeah. Well, go to it, Ryan. I'm going to have to take a break right now. It sounds like you're on top of this, but uh, just make it as if it's going to be built underwater and use the treated lumber as often as you can. 
Okay, very good. Can we get the plywood in, in uh, treated lumber as well? Uh, yeah, but you don't really need that so much because it's up further. It's the fasteners uh, connecting to that uh, treated uh, floor joist that I'm more concerned about. Okay, but do yes, we need Because uh, when I undid it, someone had put plastic on top of the uh, 2x8s and then the, the plywood down. Is that needed? Um, it doesn't hurt other than the gluing part of the securing. Um, uh, it, it doesn't hurt. It, 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 yeah, it's a good practice. But And treated plywood is available, but it's, uh, it's a real handful because it comes out almost soaking wet. It's a custom job. So, yep. All right. Thanks, Ron. Appreciate the call. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, KMOX. Uh, phone lines are buzzing here. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Have to take a break. Do a little business. Keep the lights on here at KMOX. All right. Welcome back. Lunchtime, KMOX. University of KMOX brought to you on KMOX.com, live on the air, uh, AM 1120, and through radio.com. Let's get right to the phone lines here, and uh, let's talk to my friend Mary. Thanks for holding. Mary, how can I help you this afternoon? Yes, we have a house that was built in 1978, and, of course, we put in the beautiful colored cast iron bathtubs. Mm -hmm. And I want to know if those can be painted. Oh, yeah. Basically, yeah, you bought... You bought a great bathtub, uh, especially back when in the 70s. Uh, cast iron bathtub is still my favorite. Um, it does stay cold, you know, when you're bathing, so it takes so it does take the heat out of the water a good bit. But they can indeed very successfully be recoded, and they take the coating very well because they don't move quite as much as the cast and the acrylic products but yeah they can very successfully be repainted is what they really are but they're painted with very high quality industrial paint so is there a company that comes into your home and does this yes it's kind of like going into an auto body shop but they basically come into your bathroom they plastic cover a whole bunch of stuff uh if there's any kind of grout that needs to be repaired because they can paint the tile as well they repair the the grout anyway this is the right way to do it not all companies do this and that's what you have to be careful because you'll get prices that may be you know one price and then somebody's double the amount and somebody's triple ask them what they're going to do because uh it's like any painting if if i'm a painter i can paint a room in an hour but i don't you know do any surface prep i don't fix any cracks i don't you know caulk anything i don't you know fix any plaster but but then if i'm going to spend my time and likewise the the recoating of a bathtub goes on for quite some time before they spray the paint and they do spray the paint onto the bathtub and it's not a big uh, you know over spray issue where there's fog in the air but uh, you know it's a different kind of spray machine that does that Uh, but yeah it works really well Uh, I will tell you that if it's an everyday use bathtub uh, that coating material lasts about four to five years if it's a guest bath or a bathroom that's not often used it might last 15 or 20 years because it's you know it's a painted surface and it can be worn out just like we wear out our shoes and our clothes and floors okay Um, would you recommend that over replacing that with a more modern day bathtub Uh, and it is a guest it is a guest bathroom 
for me, for a guest bath, I'm not a big fan on recoding, but without, you know, again, the consumer in me that, you know, well, is this worth thousands of dollars to change? I, I would prefer, uh, there are overlay, um, uh, there are tub liners that go over it that are acrylic drop over materials. Uh, I'm not as big a fan of those because they can bounce and, you know, they, they, they're, they're problems with those. I would rather coat it with the paint, pay less dollars and then plan on recoding it 10 years later because, you know, the cost is, is neutral if you will, but I'm not a big fan of layover tub liners and, and systems. Like I'm that. not either. Yeah. So and I, this yeah, is such, I mean, the quality of this bathtub, I know that sounds yeah. dumb, but the quality is excellent. Yeah, and that you'll keep, you'll just, you'll wind up with a lower quality painted surface, but you're still going to have that bomb-proof bathtub. And, you know, the new, you know, unless you buy a cast iron bathtub to replace it, which takes, you know, three men just to carry the rascal in there. And sometimes they're really well, hard to get installed. So I, I like where you're going with recoding a cast iron tub. I still love cast iron tubs. And there are companies in the, I mean, we live south of St. Louis. So, but there are companies in the area that I could call. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Actually, you're welcome to call our company, Mosby Building Arts. Uh, we keep a list of companies that we do like that. We don't recommend it a whole lot. But when you're into a guest bath, you know, I mean, we remodel bathrooms. And sometimes people say, well, I, I, you know, bathroom's okay. Tile's good. I just don't like the color. And it's not worth, you know, $20,000 or 15000 or whatever it is to remodel a bathroom. So it's well, like, yeah, well, what, let's just change. It's bright blue and I'm. Yeah, baby. That. <laughs> <laughs> that and pink. Uh, yeah, there we go. I've even had black ones. There, that, it, oh, I got under- a lime green one. I got oh, a lime green one. I still kind of like the lime green, believe it or not. Maybe I'm dated myself. That could oh, be. well, it's going to go. We're going to put yeah. in a walk-in shower. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Because of that, Yeah, those are, yeah. The, and that's just, that's the issue. In the master bath, it's worth the dollars. You fix it and you get it ready for the next stage. I guess bath... Man, it's only worth so much, you know. So anyway, I, I like where you're going there. Okay. Thank you so very much for your help. Okay, Mary. Take care. Bye now. And we got a little bit into the liners and the liner, you know. So if you're if you're putting something over a tile wall and over a bathtub, you know, it, it, the issue is, if water gets back there from any kind of moisture migration coming in from an exterior wall or inside plumbing or a mishap, you can't dry that stuff out. Uh, you can't really get to it. Um, and then if you forget to caulk it as a homeowner, say three years go by and you fail to replace the caulk or stay on top of it perfectly, then the water gets in there and it gets between. Well, then you get that smell. So that's why I'd rather just coat a tub, a, a cast iron tub. Um, but, you know, frankly, don't uh, expect that painting a bathroom or using a liners that is not the same as remodeling a bathroom um, the costs are different the work that is different the replacement of the materials is different and all of that just understand you kind of you know ask those questions and find out the difference in prices uh, next up let's see what's cooking here you know what I uh, yeah let's see what's cooking here with uh, uh, how about Steve hey Steve how you doing how can I help you there how you doing uh, fantastic how about deck. you yeah. All right. I have a deck. It's PVC, mm-hmm. and uh, I made it. We made it into a four-season sunroom, mm-hmm. and I need to insulate underneath there, but I don't really know what to do with it. Yeah, that's a handful with your uh, PVC decking, because if you ever get moisture that that you spill on that deck, 
any insulation you put in there is going to somewhat trap that insulation. So the only way to get at that, uh, Steve, is a rigid, either a spray foam, a dow, or Owens Corning pink um, rigid foam uh, suitable for moisture or underground applications. And it's the blue dow or the pink uh, Owens Corning are pretty much the two that you stay with. Any fibrous, not a good thing because it'll take the moisture, hold it, and keep it. Uh, and ideally, if you can keep the dust, the other issue is the joints in between that PVC decking. Um, you know, the dirt gets down in there, and you're going to have to vacuum it out to get it out. So that's it's a handful. Uh, oftentimes, we'll just subfloor cover it and, and cover over that decking. Okay. Well, I thought about using that, like, mineral wool. Nope. And then come back and then put, like, that two-inch rigid foam you're talking about. Well, once the moisture gets in that mineral wool, even though it's limestone, uh, it, it still will hold the moisture and the warm temperature in the summer. You will have a smelly, moldy mildew floor because you can't dry that stuff out. Any kind of fibrous oh. insulation, you just can't. So you, rigid is all you can do because the water doesn't soak into it. It just gets on the surface, and it'll dry out eventually. So that's your so only choice. You think- you think a guy could put, like, Luon over the top of the PVC decking? Well, you have to make and, it, yes, you can, but you have to make it, you know, five-eighths or half-inch. It has to be structural because if you get a quarter-inch Luon and a high heel shoe, they'll go right between in between those boards, in between the PVC, you know, pieces. Okay, because we're See thinking about putting that uh, uh, flooring on it, that real, that click kind, that clicks together. Yeah, yeah. I, I tell you what, if you're going, if you're really going to make this into a three season, I'd pull that PVC off and I'd go right down with plywood, um, and then then you can go back into a fibrous type insulation. But you're making a duck into a goose here. The three season room was intended to be wet and get dry. Once you start okay. doing what you're insulating, you can't let it get wet, and that's a that's a real uh, different construction type. Okay. Well, that pretty well answered what I needed to find out. <laughs> it may not be the answer you wanted, Mr. Steve, but, you know, <laughs> it, it, there's a lot of pain between behind learning all that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there is. Well, thank you very much for call. Let me talk to you. You bet, Steve. Take care, brother. All right. Uh-huh. Bye now. Home Improved Camo X. I'll be right back after this. Okay, a little help from our friends, uh, from one family member to the other. Barbara, my first caller in this hour at the noon hour, uh, had asked about uh, landscape lighting changed to LED bulbs, and now her garage door opener doesn't work. One of our callers called in and said he had gone through that, and he said just go back to regular bulbs. It's easier uh, because going to the LED bulbs uh, saves a ton of power, uh, but the issue... he brought up was you know you just can't get the frequencies to match you just go back to your regular landscape bulbs uh that's the best way uh, i had offered barbara to call um, one of the uh, garage door companies in town uh but this caller says you know what i've walked that mile the easiest thing you know is just go back and buy non-led light bulbs for your landscape lighting system and then your garage door starts working again with the uh uh, remote control. Uh, let's go next to Chris and see what's happening with him. Uh, hey, Chris, uh, good afternoon. Welcome to Cam Wax. How can I help? Oh, good afternoon. Um, I have a garage floor that's sunk uh-huh. and cracked 
around. Um, and I tried to get somebody to level it, and they couldn't mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. Um, too so crack, I guess too many my cracks. Only, yeah, too many cracks. So yeah. basically I'm at the replacement yeah. portion. Um, yeah. Who does that, and what do I got to watch out for when uh, you get somebody to do that? Well, number one, um, why did it settle? Usually because the subgrade wasn't properly compacted, or sometimes there's water getting in underneath it there, Chris. Um, So, uh, you know, it's important to get the right company. Okay, because we're not getting any leak in 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 the basement or anything like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's just important that you wind up uh, getting the right kind of company, um, you know, to to get that done. Uh, one of the companies we use and would recommend if you called Mosby would be B&W Concrete. Um, I do advertise for them in the spring and throughout the summer, but we also okay. use them because they they they'll tell you they'll tell you the good news and they'll tell you the bad news. Um, and generally, if if you don't let them do it the right way, they don't really want to do the job, you know, where they put the steel in and they slope it and they compact it. And it's kind of a fun process. I like watching concrete work. So uh, the good ones make it look easy. I mean, is that an expensive? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're, yeah, you're going to pay number one. You have to pull all the stuff out of your garage. Then you have to pay to jackhammer and bobcat all this concrete out. And then you have to get rid of, you know, seven or eight tons of this concrete. So, you know, just the demo is a pricey little thing. Uh, and then the concrete is in reverse of that. And if they, you know, so how do you get the concrete up the driveway without destroying your driveway and making more problems? So there's there are a lot of ways to mess up concrete, uh, and then putting the proper proper mesh or steel reinforcement in there, the proper thickness, uh, expansion joints, all that stuff matters. Uh, garages floors, believe it or not, are tougher than they look because sometimes the footings are not far underneath that floor surface, and they so they need to know how to handle that as well. So yeah, it it's not it's not as easy as it looks. Okay, because somebody. Somebody told me like five thousand. Is yeah. that? Uh, yeah, for a two-car garage, you, yeah, you'd be you'd be in that neighborhood. You'd be somewhere depending on your oh, okay. garage. And the, but if your driveway's a mile long, it's ten. You know that that's how it's. You know, I just I make my exaggeration. So the point is that how easily those heavy materials can be taken out and okay. brought into your house. I mean, that's all dollars too. Okay, I mean, you're not talking like. 10 or no no okay no, not unless you okay. have a great big garage but you're in that neighborhood there no Chris. yeah i'm in i'm in south county so oh yeah it's sure. in it was built in the it was built in the late 50s mm-hmm. yeah yep yeah no worries there chris uh yeah you're welcome to call my company mosby building arts we will refer you to b&w or you can call b&w concrete but i do advertise for them but i also use them as a customer so that's you know easy for me hey uh folks uh tomorrow noon cardinal baseball here on camwex stay tuned for retire ready here on camwex this is the wrap up of the two hours fun spending time see you next